Hey, good morning, Rockbridge. My name is Matt. I want to welcome you. We are live from our Hickson campus, but want to give a shout out and a welcome to our other four campuses, Calhoun, Dalton, Chatsworth, Ringgold, and then I know some people catch it online or get a CD if they uh, were not able to attend or are traveling or out of town. So welcome. We are excited and glad that you're here. Before we get into Seasons Part 2, I want to pause as we talk about small groups and being a family and being there for one another, we also want to pray for one another. So you have an opportunity every week through those Next Step cards or online to submit a prayer need. And so just last week, 42 people asked for some healing and help with health issues, six on marriage and on divorce, job issues, uh, 32 people Ask for prayer for someone they know to have salvation or life in Christ, addiction, life purposes, finances, and then we had some praises for some answered prayers. So maybe one of those is yours, maybe one of those resonates with something uh, of someone you know. So we're going to all stand in the gap for one another and join with me as we pray together. God, we're one church in uh, multiple locations, but we come to you praying to you, the one true God and of standing in the gap for one another and asking, Lord, for your will to be done, asking, Lord, for your grace, your mercy, your deliverance, your healing in situations that we've just mentioned, healing, search for purpose, marital strife, getting through grief, getting through a divorce, finding a job, God, receiving clarity and wisdom from you. Thank you, God, for giving us the privilege of praying for one another. Thank you, God, that in Jesus' name we know you have heard us. In your name we pray, King Jesus. Amen and amen. So last week we started a new series, and if you're new to Rockbridge, it's a great time to be here because we talk and communicate in series. So we'll take a topic or a section of the Bible, work through it for several weeks, and get as much out of it as we can. And what we discovered last week is we asked this question, what season am I in? And then for some of us, there's a we about that because you're part of a we, whether you're part of Rockbridge Community Church or your job, your organization, your team, your marriage, your family, the people under your roof. We're all part of a we. So I'm in a season and we're in a season. And we use the kind of the four seasons of winter, summer, spring, or fall, but we use that not to think about calendar time or clock time. We use it to think about the time that we're experiencing certain things. So in the winter, it feels kind of drab and dry, and maybe it's a time of doubt and not a lot of productivity, not a lot of seeming hope on the horizon. And if you've lived long enough, you've been in a winter. Spring is like renewal and recovery, and you sense some momentum gaining in certain areas in your life, spiritually or relationally or whatever the case may be. Summer seems to be the time of of relaxation and fun and just rest and peace and vacation and also gearing up for something. And in the fall, you've got productivity and harvesting. The fall is a time of extreme busyness in a good way. It's sowing what was reaped in these other seasons. We talked about these seasons could be you're in a season of seeking, you're in a season of spiritual warfare, you're in a season of dryness, you're in a season of waiting on God, you're in a season of blah, you're in a season of hope and renewal. So however you want to give an adjective to this, you're in a season, and, and we talked about the fact last week that it is God who ordains the seasons. Now, he's ordained the se- these four seasons through how the earth rotates and how the earth sits on its axis, but he's ordained seasons 
like that you're in and that you're experiencing for other reasons, for purposes that have things that he wants to do in your life. And so we spent all of last week just saying, hey, what season am I in? This week, we're going to turn the question a little bit around, and, and it's going to become a little bit more challenging because we're going to ask this question. What is this season saying about me? What is this season saying about us? See, a lot of times when someone says, how's it going, what we do is we describe the season that we're in. But the season we're in also describes us because we have a response to the season we're in. We have a reaction to the season we're in. Things come out of us based on the season that we're in, and the seasons reveal things about us. And so we, a lot of times, and this is where it gets challenging, we want to put a lot of weight on this word. Oh, I'm going through a great time at work. I'm in a great relationship. Things are going great financially. Things are great with the wife. Things are great with the kids. Health is good. It's beautiful outside. And we want to put a lot of weight on the season. Today, I'm going to ask you to do something a little more challenging. We're going to put a weight on us. We're going to put a magnifying glass on what is this season that you're in, that I'm in, that we're in as a church? What is it saying about who you are and who you're not? What is it saying about the status of your marriage? What is it saying about your team or your organization? And and to kind of help us process this, we're going to go into God's Word. We're going to be in the chapter 1 of the Psalms. So if you have a regular Bible, most people have U version or something like that. You're welcome to turn your Bible on. But if you do open it up, just go to the middle and look for the big number one. That's Psalms chapter one. And we're going to pick it up in verse three, and then we'll backtrack into verse one, because verse three gives us this controlling metaphor for us to process this question. What is the season saying about me? What is the season saying about us? Psalm chapter one, verse three. It's talking about a guy. It says, He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit. Something comes out of the tree. Something comes out of you based on the season you're in. So he is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. So we have our our tree here. And when it says it's like like, like planted beside streams... Every tree has a source. Every tree is planted in something. It has what its roots are tapping into. And so we're like this tree. And and the weight of the passage is way less about the season and way more about the individual who is like a tree and what's coming out of this individual in this season. So here's the way we would look at this. You're in a season. You're planted in something. This guy's planted in something good. You're planted in a source, and what's coming out of him, what's on his leaf is not withering. It's valid. It's amazing. And, And things are coming out of him that are positive. So you look at your life. You look at the season you're in. What comes out of you? Is it anger? Is it bitterness? Is it frustration? Is it pride? Is it joy? Is it, hey, I got to control more. I got to let go more. Something's coming out of you emotionally. Something's coming out of you in terms of your attitude and your outlook and your hope or your despair levels, your, your work ethic or not. And so the season you're in is saying something about you, and it's saying something about your source and what you're planted in. Now, let me zoom out and talk a little bit more about the fundamentals of our faith as Christ followers and what Christianity is all about. See, I I sometimes think there's a narrative about Christianity that's false, that we sometimes make Christianity all about our final destination. 
And if you look through the Bible, the Christianity is way less about our final destination and way more about us becoming a new creation, us becoming a tree who is like one planted by streams, who bears its fruit in season, who prospers, whose leaf does not wither. But we sometimes think of Christianity as this, hey, I'm going to go to heaven when, I'm die, when I die, and, and then it's, everything else in between is kind of up to me, and I just go where the seasons go, and if it's good outside, I'm good. If life is good, I'm good. If life's not good, I'm not so good, and then when I die, I'll go to a good place. But Christianity is way more about the fact that when you choose and surrender and give Jesus Christ the steering wheel of your life, he wants you to start bearing fruit in your season that reflects the fact that he is your source, no matter what season you're in. So we see this in the scriptures where it says this, 2 Corinthians If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Galatians 6.15, it doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. It doesn't matter about religious rituals. What counts is whether we've been transformed into a new creation. There it is again. And so when you understand that, you can begin to understand true Christianity and the true gospel of Jesus from a false one. Here's a quote from a pastor from Sri Lanka. He says this, The good news often is packaged and marketed as a religious product, offering peace of mind, how to get to heaven, how to have health and prosperity, inner healing, and it's the answer to all your problems. What is promoted as faith in God often turns out to be a means for obtaining emotional security or material blessing in this life and an insurance policy in the next. This kind of Christianity leaves the status quo untouched, leaves us unchanged and unaffected. It does not raise fundamental and disturbing questions about the assumptions upon which people build their lives. So you're in a season, you walked in here in a season, has nothing to do with the calendar season outside, and that season is saying something about you and the assumptions or the source, the assumptions that you have planted yourself upon, that you stand upon. And so one of the reasons that God ordains the seasons is to reveal foundational assumptions that drive us. One of the reasons God lets us go through different seasons at different times is because he wants us to ask deep questions about ourselves. He wants us to look at what's coming out of us, at our leaves, at our fruit, and he wants us to say, what's behind that? What's driving that? Where does that anger come from? Where does that hope come from? Where does your joy come from? Where does your despair come from? Where does your sense of lostness come from? Where does your bitterness, your cynicism come from? Where does your excitement come from? Where does your optimism, your pessimism come from? He wants to reveal where you're planted or your foundational assumptions. So to cooperate with the work of God in you as a new creation or upon you in the season you're in... We've got to go through a couple of steps. So we're going to talk through that. And the first step would be we have to examine the harvest. And the harvest is simply what is coming out of you. 
What is coming out of you in this season? Responses, reactions, attitudes, emotions. And and we just look at all that stuff and we receive all that stuff and we allow the Word of God to sort of search us and the Word of God to sort of look at us. And we're like, why am I reacting this way? Why am I reacting that way? And we examine the leaves coming out of this tree called our lives. Now, when you do that, we have to avoid some extremes. I would say there's kind of three extremes, self-righteousness, self-condemnation, and blame-shifting. Self-righteousness is a favorite of religious people. So if you're not a religious person and you're here today, then I, the, I, the mirror is not on you right now. It's going to be on religious people. Those of us who might have grown up in church and we sort of start to think we're good enough, we start to, th- start to, sort of start to think that we maybe we're better than other people and that we've got our act together, that's self-righteousness which has no place in the faith of Christianity. And then there's another form, which is self-condemnation, which is when the mirror's on us, it's like, oh, I'm terrible. Oh, I'm broken. I'm past repair. Uh, I'm hopeless. And and it's just guilt and shame, guilt and shame, guilt and shame, guilt and shame, guilt and shame. See you next week for more guilt and shame, guilt and shame, guilt and shame. And and that's not valid either. And and then all of us, when when the focus is on us and, and things come out of us that don't look so good, don't look so fruitful, right? We are good at blame shifting, whether we blame other people And then oftentimes, listen, 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 we blame the season for what's coming out of us. When God is saying, no, 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 the season is revealing what's already in you. So we examine the harvest. The second thing we have to do is this, and this is challenging, but we're going to do it. We have to zero in on the weed issue. We have to zero in on what's coming out of us that is not of Christ, what's coming out of us that is not of who we are in Christ, what's coming out of us that is not of God. This is where it gets challenging because we don't necessarily want to go that deep. We don't necessarily want to ask questions that might take us back to a painful moment in our childhood, might take us back to something that is unresolved from our first marriage, might take us back to somebody that's something that somebody said to us when we were in high school. We don't necessarily like doing that, but God has ordained the seasons. He's placed us in the seasons to reveal the stuff that's coming out of us. The stuff that's coming out of us. So I'll use something in my life as as an illustration to help you. And I'm I'm really reluctant to kind of go here, but I'm just going to try to see if this might help. So when my wife Beth was diagnosed with leukemia and we had to go to New York for her treatment because she's got a very rare genetic disorder and only a couple of hospitals in America have any, any success and experience treating this. So we basically had to transplant six months after adopting our boys. And so I I was a commuter back and forth from Dalton, North Georgia to New York City. I'd fly home, preach, fly back, be with her, do that, take a couple weeks off here and there. But that was sort of my routine. And I was in a season, and it was easy to describe the season. It's wintertime if you don't know if someone you care about is going to make it or not, and you just got two new boys that are legally yours through adoption, and you're not really able to be fully dad or fully anything. And so as I went through introspection and, hey, what's coming out of Matt in this season, it was a sense of lostness, like I didn't know who I was. And I didn't know my identity, and it's just like I felt lost. 
Now, I, I know what's easy to do. It's easy to say, yeah, Matt, but who wouldn't feel that way because you're in the middle of winter? Who wouldn't feel that way because you don't know how the storm's going to break? But it, don't resist that temptation. Resist that temptation to excuse whatever it is that's coming out of you simply because, well, that's to be expected because that's the season you're in. And remember, 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 the season is not to blame. The season just reveals what's already in you. It's just coming out of you in that season. Now, because doing that is challenging, you have to zero in with Jesus and without crippling regret and without resorting to self-justification. Now, here's what I mean by that. That's polar extremes, right? You're looking at yourself, and you're looking at the season you're in, and it's easy to say, oh, I should have dealt with that a long time ago. Yeah, I know where that's coming from, and I, and I can't believe it, and, and again, regret and shame and guilt and self-condemnation. It's also easy to look at that fruit and then to justify yourself and to say, well, it's not that bad, or to say, well, they're to blame, and, and then once the season passes, I'll be okay. Now, when the season passes, you're still in the season, and if you don't deal with the source issues, it just goes with you. It just might get covered up because in summertime, everybody's great. But God ordains the seasons to reveal these foundational assumptions that are driving us and bringing stuff out of us. So when I say zero in with Jesus, here's what I mean. Jesus wants to look at your weed issue with you. And he's not against you in doing that if, if and only if, he's your Savior and your Lord. So listen to these words from Colossians. You were dead because of your sins and because, of your, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. So if you're in Christ... And the season you're in reveals a sin issue, reveals a weed issue. That sin that Jesus is asking you to deal with, that sin that the season is revealing, that weed that's coming out of you is already forgiven. And he has canceled the record of charges against us. He's taken it away by nailing it to the cross. So he's already died for that sin. He's already canceled the penalty of that sin. So you are now fighting a powerless, disarmed, defeated issue because of your faith in Christ. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So it's radically different from looking at your issue and saying, I've got to deal with that. I've got to deal with that or God won't love me or God will hate me or God will get me or God will punish me. If that's what you're doing, you'll be tempted to make an excuse or you'll be tempted to stay in a guilt and shame, guilt and shame and a guilt and shame and regret cycle. It's radically different. But if you are not a Christ follower, that's what you do. You fight undefeated, unforgiven, not yet canceled sin. If you are a Christ follower, 
giving Jesus your sin, giving Jesus the steering wheel of your life, you face that issue with him. He's forgiven it. He's canceled the punishment of it because he took it on himself. He's disarmed its power. And now you are fighting a defeated issue in your life. You just have to fight it with faith in your Savior, your King, and your victorious Lord, which is Jesus. Radically different, right? This is why one of the marks that we're growing in our faith as Christians is not what you think. One of the marks that we're growing as our faith, in faith in Christians is that we now have the capacity to deal with weed issues without getting broken and undone and giving in to insecurity and defensiveness and self-justification and or self-righteousness. Listen to what John Newton says. He says, you know you are still a baby in Christ because you are sensitive to criticism. Finding admission of weakness difficult and humiliating, is stare, and you're still fairly insecure in how you're being perceived by others. Why is this, he says, because they do not yet know that they're forgiven and loved. They do not yet know they're forgiven and accepted, and there's still a lot of works righteousness. I've got to do it all on my own rather than let Christ do it for me and through me. There's still a lot of works righteousness clinging to them. So the beautiful thing about our faith and our gospel is not that God wink, wink, nod, nods at your weed issues. It's not that God says, hey, do your best. I'll see you on the other side of your death in heaven. It's that God says, hey, let's take a look at this weed because I don't want you to live with it with me in eternity. I don't want it to plague you and rob you of blessings here on your life on earth. I want you to represent me as my follower, my son, my daughter, my witnesses. And so let's take a look at this weed issue that's bubbled up, it's canceled, it's defeated, it's forgiven, but now let's deal with it. Radically different. Every other religion in the world, even if you're an atheist, you got to stand by yourself and deal with your weed without the power to overcome its hold on you. So that's why we go to step three. You got to refuse to mow weeds. Refuse to mow weeds. You want to uproot new pot, new soil. You want to uproot and be transplanted in that area that's being revealed, in that area that God is bringing to light. And now we go back to the beginning of Psalm 1, and we begin to see how this person who is like a tree planted beside flowing waters, bearing fruit, prospering, how he's rooted and how he's planted. Verse 1, how happy is the one who does not walk. Now, everybody in this room, Christian, non-Christian, atheist, Buddhist, whatever you are, wherever you're coming from, we're people from all walks of life at Rockbridge, right? You want to be happy. God's not against your happiness. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit 
in the company of mockers. Now, this is a progressive intensification of identification with a bad source, of identification with, with rooting ourselves in something nonproductive. So look at it. Walk in the advice of the wicked. You start to listen to a voice other than the voice of your creator, redeemer. Stand in the pathway with sinners. You start to look down the path and think, wow, that looks good. Maybe that will make me happier than staying with God or going with God. And then you just sit down and you are now in full identification and you're mocking God. You're saying, I'll do it my way. God, I will use my own source, my own intuition, my own strength. I will root myself in this. And so it looks like this. We give attention and influence. That's what Eve did in the garden. Adam did in the garden. He's like, hey, this fruit looks pretty good. What'd you say, Satan? And we start giving it attention. And then consideration and movement. We walk up and she saw the fruit and the fruit was looked good to her, looked pleasing to her eye. And then she take, took some and ate it and gave some to Adam who was with her doing nothing. And we have full-fledged unbelief that when God said, if you eat it, you die. And she said, nah, this looks better than you, God. This looks better than you. So back to my story. So I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm getting lostness and loss of identity. And Beth's got leukemia, but the season's just revealing an issue. So through some serious time with God's Word and serious time in prayer, I began to realize there was a pattern in my life that probably emerged sometime when I was in high school, college, where I began to understand a dynamic that I got recognition when my performance was good. And, and you know, if you're, if you're in school, you do well in school, you're in, you're in school, you do well in athletics, you go to the military, which is a performance culture, and you do well there, they start attaboying you, attaboying you. And so I, everybody likes an attaboy, so hey, good grades, attaboy, Matt. Good job in the Naval Academy, attaboy, Matt. Good job on your ship, attaboy, Matt. Good job in nuclear power school, attaboy, Matt. I plant a church. I stand up here every week and quote-unquote preach, but sometimes it comes across maybe or it can in your soul as a performance. And so slowly but surely, my identity shifted from who God says I am to what my performance says about me. In other words, I am what I do. And if I do good, I'm good. If I do bad, I'm bad. So in best leukemia, here's what happened. She was doing not good. And our elders made a very wise decision that I didn't have the capacity to make. They said, Matt, listen, you're not in a good spot. Your wife's not in a good spot. You're not going to preach for about six weeks. You can come home, be with your kids. You can stay in New York and be with your wife. But you're not going to do anything with Rockbridge. So suddenly, my performance, my source of identity, my source, who I am, I am what I do, is cut off. So I'm walking through the streets of Manhattan. Who's Matt Evans? I don't know. I don't know. And it was in that moment that God revealed something to me. Matt. You are, we just sang it, church, you are who I say you are, which is my son 
And that's got to be enough. And it was a beautiful, beautiful moment in my soul. Now, I got to fight that battle literally every day of my life to be happy in a way that won't ultimately harm me. Because let me say something. You can be happy for a season with a source that's not ultimate and not good. Okay? You can have a good thing, preaching, being in the military, doing well in the school, doing well in sports. A good thing can become a God thing. And when a good thing becomes a God thing, it's still a bad thing. Listen, 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 listen. When a good thing becomes a God thing and you're rooted in it, it's a bad thing. So Matt's battle is to every day live here, identity here, purpose here, happiness here, joy here. Because here's the truth, here's the truth. We do not always get to choose the season we're in, but we can choose where we're planted. I I can't choose the winters. I can't choose to prolong the summers. I can't choose for it to be fall all the time. But I can choose where I'm planted. And so can you. We go back to our man who's planted by the streams. Instead of delighting in the scoffers, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. His delight is in God's Word. And he meditates on it day and night. This was my path to freedom, sitting beside my wife, hooked up to all this chemo and stuff. This was my path to revealing my bad source, to revealing my freedom, to revealing my happiness and source should be God. He is like a tree planted beside the streams that bears its fruit in season, whatever he does prospers. The wicked, contrast again, are not like this. Instead, they're like chaff that the wind blows away. They're not grounded in anything. And the season, when it gets windy and stormy, the season reveals how deep your roots are and what they're rooted in. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment or sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. So I want you to see this guy's path to happiness, this guy's path to getting rooted more firmly in Christ and not being rooted in a bad source. He treasured the word and he treasured the people of God. Don't stand in the path of the wicked or sit in the seat of the mocker or the scoffer. Don't listen to the advice of the wicked. Be with God's people. Meditate on God's word. I don't know if any of you think this is your path to happiness. This is your path to being rooted deeply in something that will make you seriously happy. But the text that we just read, Psalm 1, reveals something that's important. There's two kinds of happiness now, or two kinds of delight. There's seasonal delight and there's serious delight. Now, let me, let me, make, a, let me make a case. If you win the lottery... You can be seasonally happy for a season, right? Nothing wrong, but your source. But a good source that becomes a God thing is always what? 
a bad thing. What I find in our culture going on is we all want to be seasonally happy. Listen, which is to be superficially happy. Your team wins the championship, you're happy. You get the promotion, you're happy. The test comes back negative, you're happy. You got enough money to pay your bills, you're happy. She says, yes, you're happy. All of those are seasonal and superficial. The call of God on our lives is to go deep. God's not against your happiness. He's just against you and I getting it from a bad source that won't survive the wind blowing. That won't survive leukemia, depression, whatever. That's all he is. He's like, I love you too much. I love you too much for you to live like this. So I'll ordain the seasons to reveal the fruit in hopes that you will go deep with me. I'm not against you in this. I've canceled your sin. I've forgiven your sin. I've got victory over your sin. If you'll just examine the fruit, zero in on the weeds, and transplant yourself back to me or into me more deeply and more securely. That's it. Because I am so for your happiness. I just don't want you to get your happiness from a superficial, seasonal source. I want you to get your happiness from an eternal source. We read, you reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. That's what God wants for you. To get it, you got to get seriously happy. All of us are serious about our happiness, but not all of us are seriously happy. We're seasonally happy, which is to be superficially happy. When we treasure the Word, treasure the church, God plants us in Himself which is eternal pleasure at his right hand. So I want to encourage you to be as happy as you can be. Not in your season or not because of your season, but because of your God. And whatever your source is, is your functional God. So we want to encourage you to get in the word of God. When's the last time you meditated on it? And rolled it over in your brain and in your mouth and in your heart. And set it back to a group of people or to your wife or to your kids. So all you can do, you can even just type TWG and text it to 706-671-2171. We'll send you time with God, time in God's Word, five days a week. And we'll help you get there. Right to your smartphone. Or you can pick up hard copies in the lobby. Next week you have an opportunity to get with a group of people who want to go in the right direction. To get with a group of people who, who, who are not just committed to news, weather, and sports relationships. To get with a p- group of people who are about serious happiness. Who are about source level, Jesus level, eternal pleasures at the right hand of God level happiness. And so I just encourage you to consider treasuring the church and to consider treasuring God's word. There's a reason why this church is built on me, partially on me standing up here or whoever's preaching standing up here, taking one passage of scripture and working through it to mine as much truth and hope and principles out of it because we know when we do that, we are going deeper and deeper into the one who has eternal versus seasonal and superficial joy. So my hope and prayer today is that at the very least, you just ask this Tough, but ultimately revealing and hopeful question. What's my season saying about me?
And whatever it's saying, you'd face it and do the deep work with Christ, the one who's canceled that, forgiven that, defeated that. Let's pray together, church. God, I thank you for your commitment to our happiness. Even though, God, sometimes we mistake your commitment with confusion or doubts or anger or unbelief. But, God, you are seriously committed to us having serious levels of happiness. Not seasonal, but serious. So, God, I pray today, whatever the season is saying about each one of us, we would accept it, face it, and you would use it, God, to make us happier in you than when we walked in here today. And it is in your holy and amazing name that we pray. The name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.